Hey everyone, Josh and Ryan here, and welcome back to the 2% Podcast. Research shows if you put 100 random people in a room, somewhere amongst them, there'll be just two truly incredible, inspirational people who are living their lives to the fullest. In this podcast, we bring those exact people to you, week in, week out. 2% of a day is just half an hour, so thank you for taking 2% of your day to be educated and inspired by joining us on our journey as we learn the secrets, routines and dreams of the Two Percenters. Hello and welcome back to the Two Percent Podcast. Today we're joined by Luke Nevercliffe. Luke, thanks for joining us. Hi guys, it's a pleasure to be on here. Thank you so much uh, to have me on the podcast today. No problem, yeah, we're looking forward to it. So um, give our guests a little background on yourself in you know one or two minutes, why we've invited you on today and what we're, what we're going to talk about. Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, as uh, Josh said, um, my name is Luke Nellicliffe and I'm the co-founder of uh, the People's Backpack. So this is a Enactus social enterprise. And so um, I've been project managing it for uh, eight months now. And it's all about trying to empower refugees and tackle the stigma that they face. Um, I also study um, global sustainable development and business at uh, Warwick University, uh, which is all about um, how can we promote sustainability in the world uh, through like a business lens. Um, and I'm really passionate about this whole uh, social entrepreneurship, seeing how um, businesses can create change in the world. Um, and I also do a few other projects. Um, I run a podcast called The Human Entrepreneur. and yeah just dabble in a few other things trying to make a sustainable impact in the best way that i can great stuff okay so let's start with um the people's backpack then i think that's how we find you me and ryan both an actress alumni so quite yeah. passionate about yeah. an actress as our listeners will know by now <laughs> um so yeah tell, tell us about that project that's going over on work yeah so um the people's backpack how it really came about was um I got tricked into entering a competition. Um, so um, I've been part of an actus for about uh, five months, take you back to like the start of my actus journey. Um, all a, and it was like a social enterprise called Food Intercept, where um, we were collecting uh, fruit and vegetable waste and then uh, taking into a kitchen that employs uh, single minority women. And then uh, they use the food waste um, to it turned it into meals and then we sold these on campus and I did that for around six months I think and it really showed to me the impact that business can have on the world and I became really inspired by that and had a great project manager great team around me in creating that and then in January of 2019 a friend said are you interested in doing this Anactus innovation challenge where you create your own social enterprise tackling a specific issue and then from there we entered it I got like tricked in by a friend he was like are you interested I was like yeah maybe but he wrote my name down and me being like the competitive person I was let's just do it we'll see where things go and what's the worst that can happen Mm -hmm. so um, there were a few days of different stages where to like practice your selling skills ideation design thinking and then the last day of the competition was all around 
designing a social enterprise that makes an impact on the refugee crisis. So um, me and three other friends who we chose to enter the competition together, we came up with a core premise of the People's Backpack, where we sell a backpack and then uh, using for every backpack that we sell, we uh, donate a backpack to refugees. So that's always been the core mission of what we're really doing. And what's quite interesting is that we've had this like one for one business model, but through like that was based off 24 hours of work. So what we've really tried to do from there is really try and understand what's the most useful product to support refugees. So mm. at the start, we were like, uh, let's provide refugees with a tent. And then we spoke to lots of organizations, lots of volunteers, lots of refugees, and found that that might not actually be the most useful item throughout their journey. So now we're providing refugee uh, children starting in Coventry with education packs. So pens, pencils, notebooks, Arabic to English, dictionaries, and teaching supplies using the money that we make from the backpacks. Right, okay, so it has, it's transitioned from a one-to-one -one model now. It does, it's not that anymore. So, yeah, I'm, at this stage, we're still in our very early stages of mm. the project. And for me, what's most important that we continue to make an impact, because that's why we set it up at the end of the day, yeah. is to make an impact. And I've always said that the goal of the People's Backpack is that it doesn't exist in the future, because I know that it's been successful and the problems solved that they've got equal access to education that there's no stigma against refugees so i'm not sure at this stage if it will be a one-for-one -one model a two-for-one model mm. um if if we're even giving a backpack at the end of the day yeah because like i said we need to understand more and more and constantly evaluate what's the most useful items which we can provide uh, refugee children with yeah it's a massive thing isn't it both for in access projects and for um, businesses in general well I guess people as well like understanding the need and really understanding what it is that you're trying to do or meet like uh, we have to do it with this podcast we have to do it with um, in access projects that that we're advising here at Loughborough and, and yourself at Warwick with people's backpack like what actually is the point Yes, of, I can. I completely off the agree. enterprise, you know, and like kind of taking back and answering those questions is actually quite yeah. hard sometimes because you just want to go gung ho and you know you, you're trying to change the world. Yeah, like as it links into this design thinking, human centered mm. approach, where it's so easy, especially now. I think to you can just oppose a solution on the world, and you think it's going to solve it, and being completely open about it that's kind of where we were at the start we're like we've got the solution let's just do it but then I had some like really great mentors who forced me in like a bit of my naivety to take a step back and really start from the beginning and really try to understand the complexity of the problems facing refugees and asylum seekers and then once you like truly understand what they're going through then you know how to make an impact and you ask them like what do you really need so there's been organizations in commentary that have specifically asked for more material and support of the education 
for refugee children. So we know that we're doing something right in supporting them. Mm. So what what point is the business at, at the moment? You mentioned like very early stages. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, we're designing the backpacks themselves. So we're speaking to a few organizations who companies who produce bags, backpacks, and we're speaking to some designers. And then we're hoping that in the future, we can get amazing designs and take these to these uh, manufacturers who also are trying to promote sustainability because like being studying sustainability in business, I also don't want to contribute to like the fast fashion and the negative impacts that has. So we're working on like creating the designs, the backpacks that hopefully in the next couple of months we can sell. And on like the social impact side of things, we've set up our first partnership with an organization in Coventry to help support the education of refugee children. But we're continuously like seeing how we can make an impact throughout the UK. So we've got like a specific research team really focusing on what are the issues refugees are facing and how can we help them. And then we've got an international team as well speaking to like organizations and refugees seeing the best way to support them yeah great and so how, how do you go about building that that team you know like just give some insight to the listeners as to what you're kind of going through those steps to try and grow something something yeah like so we started it with four people and now it's become a team of eight uh 19 people now um so it's grown to like quite a fairly fairly sized team to be honest um at least for me as like the project manager and managing like the difference between managing three other people to managing 18 other people is quite significant so I've found it tough in a way if I'm being honest so what I did was I got some like uh deputy project managers people managing like the marketing the operation side of thing and they help to manage like smaller teams so that's what I learned there because having like 18 people contact you in one day when you're trying to do university work and other projects just means that I was spending all my time messaging people and not actually doing mm. any meaningful work myself so yeah I've, tr- I've tried to I didn't grow the team too quickly we were kind of five people for a long time and then I re- it made me work out where we were lacking and where we needed people. And then I grew it from there. So what I say is just don't just bring people in for the sake of it. Really try and understand where, where the team needs people. And then you can filter in people through that. And in terms of what I look for when I was like trying to find people, really focused on are they passionate about the project? Because it didn't really matter if they didn't have the skill set. Like we've got a podcast called The People's Podcast and some of the people in that had never done that, had no experience, but were so passionate about that element of it and about tackling the stigma and prejudice that refugees face that I was like, you know what, you want to learn, you want to develop yourself and you want to make an impact. And I think those are the real free keys um, when finding someone to work on a project together. Yeah, it's a massive thing, isn't it? Like the the whole messaging 
that I think is most successful is is exactly that. It's passion over skill set. Yes. Because skills skill set you can teach someone, but if you need somebody to come in and do a job and they're already interested or they're passionate mm. or they've got some level of insight, then any kind of practical skill for the most part can be taught later down the line. And so that's what I'm kind of trying to do in terms of job applications, potentially, um, and interviews and things like that, and kind of setting myself up for the future. Um, and I know that we're all in the same boat in in that, just trying to show that passion to mm-hmm. sh- because we're university students. So of course, we can learn and memorize and things like that, but it's about yeah. that other element. And in Aptis and social entrepreneurship or um, getting involved in different projects like that is a really good way to demonstrate that. Yeah, and I'm a real big believer in like passion that if I'm not doing something that really like energizes me that I don't really believe in, then I'll mm. just let it go. But when you know that when something does provide you that fulfillment, gives you that like buzz and energy, which like the people's backpack does, then you can inspire other people, you can inspire the team, you can support them. And even if you're spending a great deal of time on that throughout the week you feel it's valuable because you're helping to make an impact hopefully and you're also developing yourself and your skill set for the future yeah no it's really important uh, for me as well to kind of have that impact and, and see something tangible uh, but it's interesting because that's kind of my personality type like quite values driven uh, and not everyone is but I think it's important to kind of state that you don't need to lead with your values all of the time it's Mm. just important to know what they are so that you know how you interact with other people Mm. so between josh and i for example i know that he really values professionalism which i do as well but it's not one of those kind of clear values that i lead with um so there's kind of i think as long as you're self-aware enough to know what you respond to and to know what you value then that's the kind of main main point at the core of this, would you say? Yeah, yeah. Have you learned um, Have you learned a lot about yourself during the management of other people and um, managing? Yeah, it's been a real personal development journey for me in itself um, because managing a team is difficult. Um, not c- my team's like incredible, but it's just I feel like it puts on you because you want to support everyone and constantly help them in their journey where you're still going on a journey um, yourself and trying to develop your skill set. Yeah, I think I've learned so much because when you, being project manager and like setting up a social enterprise, there's so many different areas that you need to be, like have an awareness of and try and develop your skills, whether that's helping in marketing or going out, speaking to, to people, pitching, putting together like finance plans, organizing events. I think also when you're leading a team, you always need to be there for them to support them. And if something's not going right, you've got to better step in, but you've also got to understand when's the best time to leave it to them, let them make the mistakes, and then they'll learn from that. And that's something that I find really challenging, not just from the people's backpack, but in general is like something that, I know might be done better, but um, when they realize it could be done better, instead of me just telling them, that might help them for the future. Because I think I'm really passionate about 
especially with students, is helping their personal development, their personal growth, and trying to understand intrinsically what motivates them, what they want to get out of um, helping with the people's backpack, for example, and then seeing how you can put them in the team and they can develop those skills because not only are they motivated by the impact, but they know that they're getting something out of it as well. So like really try and tap into both things. Yeah. yeah. What would you say has been your biggest challenge so far setting up this social enterprise from scratch? Um, Oh, good question. I feel like sometimes uh, I found that I can be like too nice to people. So maybe I they don't do like the work or they don't turn up to meetings or if it's like an external stakeholder stakeholder and we're like negotiating something, maybe I'm too giving to them. So how I've tried to, I guess, balance that out is maybe if it's something really important, I've found people that we can play like the good cop, bad cop sort of thing. And yeah. I feel like if it's a situation that needs it, um, we can balance each other out because I can be like really positive and also like show that caring side of things whereas they can be more like to the point this is how it is without so much of a filter and I think having that sort of uh, people around you that you can complement each other because I feel like both areas are very important to have so I'd say that's definitely been been a sticking point for me and I guess a challenge that I'm facing at the moment uh, is that in a couple months time I am going to be leaving to go to Australia to do some studying so as it's a, an actual social enterprise I'm going to be stepping down as project manager for the people's backpack because due to the time zones and other commitments in Australia it's going to be impossible for me to manage the team and give the time and dedication that I'd want to mm. um, so I'm going to be uh, handing it over to someone else and so it's about creating a team and organizational structure that uh, without me is like can go even further and really boost its impact even more so that's a challenge but you know I'm one of these people that I love challenges I always try and have that growth mindset of always treating everything as a learning experience always yeah. and i i've always believed that everything will turn out for the best like whenever i'm facing an issue i've just always got that in the back of my mind that yes it things may not mean not that great now but they will work out because when i look at struggles i faced in the past which i can i'm more than happy to share later on I've always come out of that and it's really helped to empower me for the future. Yeah, and I guess one of the brilliant things about the Anaptus network is that even now at Warwick, you're kind of putting those plans in to step down. Actually, in Australia, I'm sure you're probably at one of the universities that have an Anaptus team. I know they have a very active Anaptus network in Australia as well. So um, that's a good thing about that network. And one thing that you made me think of that, that I've had to use recently is that kind of compliment sandwich kind of thing. Mm. So if you want to try and have that soft touch that you said that you might need to develop in some situation, depending on who you're dealing with, 
uh, one strategy I, I use, I can't remember where I've initially read it or anything, is, you know, where you say something positive at the start and then you move on in the conversation to saying or in the point that you're making to say what you actually want the person <laughs> to improve on, that kind of criticism or improvement. Yes. And then yeah. you finish off with a, an additional positive point um, to kind of bring them through. Oh, you know, you're doing really well for me. I'm really pleased the time you're putting in for me at the moment. But mm-hmm. I want you to try and work a little bit smarter because I almost feel you're spending too much time. And actually, that's a mark of your commitment. not a mark. So basically, you're kind of taking them through the flow that you want them to work smarter because, I don't know, say it's affecting their well-being in that scenario. Then what you want is them to work differently for you. Yeah. But you've done that in a, in, a, in a way that is beneficial to them. And as a leader, it's important to kind of know that difference. Yeah. Mm. I have a question, Luke, around um, building that legacy about beyond yourself and, and working towards something mm. sort of bigger than yourself, because it might be hard potentially to, or is it hard to maintain motivation for something that you know in a few months' time or a few weeks' time you're going to be sort of leaving behind? Um, yeah, I, I feel like it possibly should be, but... I put so much time and energy um, to this project already and I've become so invested in it that I, I haven't actually found any um, problems with motivation in myself because I feel like I've got a great team around me and they're constantly pushing me forward as well as much as I think like I want to push them and support them. They're doing such good things that it's always striving me to like challenge myself, try and go the extra mile and support them. I And I think it definitely could do, but yeah, I, I haven't really faced any motivational issues as such at the moment, at least. Great stuff. Well, we hope to see big things then. From yeah, the, uh, the that's good to see. Good to see. Well, that's it for another episode of the 2% podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording. If you or someone you know has a story to tell, we'd love to hear from you. So please get in touch. And if you have a question you want answering, send it in to us using Anchor voice messages and you can feature in a future episode. All the links are in the description. Stay motivated, follow your dreams and as always, do it with a smile.